<clears throat> Shall we bow our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day, another beautiful Sunday morning. And even as we may think sometimes that it's, it's a tradition that we gather, that it would be more than that, that we would gather around this all-powerful word and sit, as it were, at the feet of our Savior, teacher of all times, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this this time we can gather together, and we thank thee for that, even that presence of mind that comes from only from the scriptures and only from the wisdom that is from above, that to gather under these circumstances and for this reason maybe, maybe makes no sense to the ungodly world, but we long to be around this word, we long to be fed by this living word, and above all we long to live lives that are an honor to thy name and to reach heaven's shore. Watch over this service this afternoon or this morning and, and be with our speaking brother. Open this word unto us. Make it a living word and not just something from from the, print, the printed page. Watch over all those that gather this morning and watch over those that cannot gather for reasons of health or distance or whatever it might be, political conditions sometimes. If we look at the whole spectrum across the world, many people can cannot gather because of the political climate of the country. We would, we would want to remember that we have that kind of a climate here, that if we wish to gather, we're free to gather. Hear us now as we pray together that prayer thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Someone have another song to continue with? 378.
this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father. Since I'm up here, almost every little village of fellows that we work with over there that some of you know have met, um, they all ask to bring greetings to you people. Remember to pray for them, different world. I'm not sure to take a text from this morning. A portion came to me here in the last book of the Bible in Malachi. And I guess I struggle. There's so much to try and bring together to put it out in my mouth. It's hard to know where to start. But we will read this text and maybe it will explain where my heart is. It's the third chapter of Malachi and I'll read the 10th and 11th verses. Reading in Jesus' name. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now, herein saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourers for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. There's, um, I have spoke on this text before and spoke about tithes, and I don't know how many of you remember that. I believe if we read in the New Testament, tithing, I don't think there's anything good spoke of it in the natural sense. There's all speaking against it, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it per se, but I think there's wrong things with motivation oftentimes. I believe if we look at this spiritually, and this is why maybe this came to me just as I was sitting here to use this as a text. I believe if we look at tithing in Nehemiah, he tells us to bring the first fruits of the field and of our vine and the growth of the field. And I believe that it is telling us that as the children of God, it says that we are to bring them into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And I believe that the church is that storehouse that it's speaking of here. And this tithing that we are to do is that we are to share of what it is that God is doing and has done in our life. Sorry, I get emotional. I'm not sure why I'm struggling with it today. But we are to share those things that God, how he works, how we know what he has done for us. I, um, I guess just getting back and this and I don't... I don't know that it's the right thing just to talk about what happened on a trip and if it's a mission trip and yet it feels that I have to share some of the things hopefully it can benefit us here I guess the first <laughs> I'll share and it just I found this interesting looking for a text this morning some of you know quite a bit about some of you maybe have a little bit of idea about my week or week and a half, two weeks before I left, and because of life I was able to focus almost zero on traveling over to India, I just threw stuff in a suitcase is what I needed and headed out the, the day I left. And I have to say that God gave a comfort that he would take care of things, and we got there and, and we were speaking almost every day, some days four times, some days, I don't think I ever spoke six times, but we spoke in six different churches on one Sunday. And I spoke about 
four sermons one day and then pastor seminars for all day long speaking to. And I knew this was coming up and we just got there and I had to go speak and I was sitting reading and and I just felt empty. And I don't remember, if, I think it was Greg asked me what I was thinking or whatever and I told him that I was just feeling empty. And, and, I, and what do you do? I just prayed that God would give and he did. I can't, I mean, when I think about it in my mind, to be able to speak four sermons a day, six sermons, speak to a group of pastors for four hours, six hours, and there was always a text. I never had to use the same text twice. It was just there, very abundantly. And then I come here and sit and I can't find a text. <laughs> and this came, and I think these things, we see that God, when we need and trust Him, He cares for us. We see things that are very different from what we deal with over here. And I, I think we need to be careful where we live, the freedom that we are given, that we don't neglect those things that are important. In Zechariah, there's a portion in the sixth chapter, and it speaks about these chariots, and there's four chariots. Now we'll read, starting at the seventh verse here, second verse, I mean, of Zechariah 6. It says, in the first chariot were red horses, and in the second chariot, black horses. And in the third chariot, white horses, and the fourth chariot, grizzled and bay horses. Then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel answered me and said unto me, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. The black horses which are therein go forth into the north country, and the white go forth after them. The grizzled go forth towards the south country, and the bay go forth, and are sought that they might walk to and fro through the earth. And he said, Get thee hence and walk to and fro through the earth. So they walked to and fro through the earth. Then cried he unto me and spake unto me, saying, Behold, these that go towards the north country have quieted my spirit in the north country. And I won't go into the depth of this piece of scripture here, but I believe this is speaking of the spirit of God that went forth with man to spread that news of the gospel throughout the world. And it says here that, and it tells us that two of them went into the north country, and it says that it's quieted my spirit. And I don't think it is speaking that, I think what it is saying is that, and this is just my terms, but if you talk about still waters run deep, and we have been blessed with a depth of spirit here, and with that depth there comes a quiet confidence, and we've been blessed that way, and we know in our church history, if you want to put it, in the movement that we go back to, that we have been blessed with that. And some of the people who have been given understanding have been given great depth. I go to India, and sometimes it's hard to know how much depth of understanding they have. There's a language barrier. And we speak through a translator, and so you have to trust them, what they're saying and what they're telling, and, and, and I think you can to a large degree. But there is that barrier. We over here, and I'm not just speaking about us, I'm just looking at in general and maybe 
the Federation in some areas in it. We've been given, I'll use my arms, but this much depth of understanding. And we've been given, and I'm just, these are just numbers for no other reason than try to get out what I'm trying to say. We've been given $10 to spread this much depth of understanding of what God has done for mankind and how wonderful the message of that gospel truly is. And we're willing to spend $2 of that to go do it. We go to India and it feels like they've been given maybe this much depth of understanding of that gospel message. They've been given a dollar and a half and they're trying to spend $2 to spread it as far and wide as they can. And it's hard to say what is right or wrong. We have to trust that the Spirit can... It's God's kingdom. It's not ours to do with. But I think it gives us warning to think about these things. I was talking about this with John Rutzel, as some of you know. He's the foreign mission administrator. And he says he knows of people who spend more just on their own personal fun and, and their house in a year than the whole foreign mission budget. And, and there isn't, that's not right or wrong. And it isn't money that makes God's kingdom go forth. And the truth of the matter is, is that the limited mouth that I've been with it, it seems that the more money gets involved, the harder it is to put a finger on how much there is a hunger for the gospel and how much of it is actually wanted and being spread. And there is physical needs that we can't hardly comprehend over here that are limitless. And we can't, we can't begin to cover them. But I think that as a people, as a group, we need in this freedom that we live in, in this where we are, is that we would use that wisely. My thoughts go to Galatians 6th chapter and Galatians 5th chapter, starting at the 13th verse. And Paul writes, But for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he goes on there and speaks about those things that are manifestations of the Spirit, adultery, idolatry, witchcraft. And then he touches on those things that we talk about, the fruit of the Spirit, that are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It says, against such there is no law. And we have been given a freedom where we live, naturally speaking, that very few people throughout history have experienced. And we have been given that knowledge of the freedom that there is in Christ Jesus. And we have experienced, I hope all of us, that freedom that is given with the peace of a good conscience. When that matter of sin that stands between man and God has been dealt with through 
what Christ has done. And I would hope and pray that that message, in spite of all the things that we face and deal with in our lives, and I don't know how we, I don't know how we change our lives. I, I can only speak for myself, and I've had a couple people say, well, getting rested up now that you're home. Yeah, I've been struggling with jet lag, I have to admit that, but some of the guy, fellows on the trip, I mean, when you go and you hit six different churches all in one day and you're traveling and, and you're, it's a situation that I have a hard time putting into, even understanding how to think about it right. You show up in a car at this village, um, and it's very primitive, not that that matters, and they're, everyone's just sitting on the floor basically. And they're singing. They've already started their service. And they bring you in the back door and they all stand and greet you and whatever. And they sit you up in front and there you sit and you preach. You get done, walk out and go to the next church. And it's very odd for me. But it, in one way it's kind of hectic. And yet, to me... I honestly amazingly found it relaxing because I wasn't in charge of anything. I just had to do what I was told and get up and God provided what to speak. And I'm thankful for that. And yet we live here and it's so busy and there's so much happening that it's hard to... We find the time to visit and there's so much to talk about of natural things that are happening but there's some important things sometimes get sidelined. And yes, we talk about them. India, in the last few years, they've got a new government and things are changing. And it's changing for the Christians over there. They, um, the man who's in charge, and this was how it was explained to me, He's seen that in North America and some of the Europe, it's known as a Christian, we're known as a Christian countries. The um, Gulf states, they're known as Muslim countries. India, yes, Hinduism is the vast majority, over 80%, close to 90% of the people are Hindu. And that's another thing that's hard to explain, that you've seen it, what idol worship is in the natural sense. I mean, we have things that we look around and we see that people worship them just like idols, but they're, they very much worship idols. But anyway, this man has decided India's kind of known globally as to be a secular democracy. And he's decided, no, India's going to be known as a Hindu country. And so he's stopping Christians coming in and they're the screws down on the Christian churches. And the truth of the matter is, it's not necessarily the Christians are, are very, they're such a minor portion of the people and they don't cause problems. It's not them that they're really trying the hardest to get rid of, it's the Muslims. But the Christians are a lot easier to pick on because the Muslims have made it very well known that if one Muslim gets killed, they're just going to kill ten Hindus. And it's just a known fact. And so they, they're much more carefully, the Christians just take it passively. And they're persecuted. And it's something that we don't face. 
And yet, when people are faced with it, it's a hard thing for me to understand because I see that there is a a difference, as I already spoke of, in a depth of understanding of God. And yet, in some ways, the depth of faith that they have to live with every day is much more than we have to. They have to face the fact that People won't maybe rent them a house. People won't give them a job. People won't sell them things just because they're Christian. And to do it, all you'd have to say is that you weren't. And so you have to be perhaps willing to almost live hungry, live without a home, just to be a Christian. And things that were sitting and they bring up, you know, like the we put in the collection plate, but they do it a little bit different. They have it there and people drop it right in front of there. But in lots of places, they just bring rice. That's what they have. And and I think that that message that we've been blessed with of what God has done for mankind, I would hope and pray could be important to us enough that we could share it. And, I mean, I will say this. I mean, to me, it's kind of odd, like I said, and I put it, you feel, I feel like they're putting you in the rock star category. You bring, you come in in a car, and they put you in, and you do your thing, and then they take you off and hit another area, and I struggle to do it because it just feels weird to me. Like, I feel I don't want to be a celebrity at all. And, And then there's things that they do they say they know that people want to be prayed for, and they'll ask if someone wants to be prayed for. And lots of people come forward, and they want to be prayed for. And some of them say specific things, and some, there's no, you can't. There's just a language barrier, and you pray for them. And and it's good that we would pray for one another. And, and, and I would hope, I mean, culturally, we're very different, and lots of us are Finns, and that makes us different or two. We're very reserved. But I would hope that people would feel comfortable asking for prayer and even immediate prayer if we need it. But then it also, you get the feeling that because I'm the person who comes through the door and and gets up and speaks, that some of them feel like, well, my prayers are a little closer to God's than theirs are. And to try to get that message out that it doesn't matter who we are whether we're standing here or the poorest Christian in the group, our prayers are heard. They have the same merit for God. And that we would share. And I got sidetracked from what I was saying, but what I was saying is that it's very easy in the foreign mission field to appear holy, to appear like you're a good person with great wisdom from God so easy it's perhaps dangerous it's not so easy when I'm dealing with cows horses out broken stuff it's what we deal with day to day and perhaps that's the most important place that we would pray that that love of God and that care for other souls would shine forth it's the mission field that we live in daily. 
and that we could use, as it says here in Galatians, that liberty that it would not be used for an occasion for the flesh. But that liberty, we could use it to share with each other what God has done for me. Or perhaps what trial God has either helped me through or putting me through. It tells us that we would love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus even elaborates on that. And to me, it is that message that is that even gives us so much more freedom. He says that we would love our neighbor as he has loved us. And as Christians, we know what he, he is, how loving and how patient he is with us. And I pray that we could be that with each other. It says, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. It's very easy to let these natural things cause conflict. And I think, I think with that, that I've said, the depth of understanding that we have, it is good. And it gives a firm foundation, and yet it, that isn't the foundation that we're saved on. We're saved by faith. And I pray that our faith... And that spirit that is given to us, that we could use it wisely to overlook those things that we should overlook. And those things that we shouldn't overlook, that are important, that we would be given wisdom to know what they really are. And that isn't that just, this is my idea of what's important. No, that it's what God says is important. That we would be able to stand firm on those things. And as I said, it, it speaks in the beginning of Proverbs, several chapters. And it's speaking about wisdom and getting wisdom. And it says, the love, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. And it says that the fear of the, I think it's in the eighth chapter perhaps. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way, the forward mouth do I hate. That our pride and those things that, excuse me, that we would want to, I don't know, put ourselves above someone or else take a stand in our, our flesh on something. That we would perhaps be unforgiving or unloving to someone, especially someone who is a fellow Christian, that God would give us, as I say, that wisdom that only comes from him, to know the difference between those things that, if I say they're a line that's not to be across, or a hill that we have to be willing to die on, to those things that are really not important. And I don't claim any great wisdom, and I think it's many times an individual thing. There's some things that or maybe that I have that are different than you that I have to stand by that is God's will but we have this word and I think it is good that we would look into it and look into it diligently and that we would do it not as something that makes us a better Christian but as something that it would give us that knowledge 
as it says in John there, Jesus says, speaking about the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. We have this word of God so we can read it and know it. And yes, sometimes it doesn't seem like it sinks in. But that spirit can use those things and bring those things that we have read, who knows when, to our memory. I think that is why we need to know this word, so that those things can be there when we need them. And I'm sure that we have experienced that, that that spirit can bring to our mind things to say at certain times, or things that would make us understand how to deal with a situation. It is a blessing that we have this word and we have such access to it. I mean, there's many of them over there that they don't have a Bible and, and they're getting them. There were, I forget how many, I should remember these numbers, but it doesn't matter, but a large number that Pastor Kay just himself in his area is distributing and they all are. But even on top of that, there's many of those people that they can't read anyway. And some of the, even pastors struggle to, to read. And the number that read is getting larger. Education is very important to them. I mean, we have, well, this is just maybe a complete sideline, but we have kids that complain over here about going to school. Those kids in the orphanage there, they're up at 5 o'clock to do their devotions. Then they read a little bit, too. Then they have breakfast. Then they go to school for all day. They get home about 4 o'clock. And then they have a little spare time to look after their clothes and things like that. And then there's a tutor comes in and tutors them till about 7.30. And then they have evening devotions. And then the older ones that are getting ready to take tests, they study till 10.30. And that's just what they do. And they feel very fortunate to be able to go to school and have that opportunity because it means that you might be able to have a different lifestyle. And these are just natural blessings. And it is disheartening, I guess, in many ways. We come here and we have a country, and yes, we have great faults, and we've had great faults right from the beginning. But there has been that word of God there that has been important. We go over there, our Hindus, they worship idols. And they think there's some merit in trees or rivers or rocks or praying to them. Cows. And I mean, this is just me, but I've dealt enough with cows that to worship a cow just boggles my mind. (laughs) And anybody who's chased cows and dealt with them, it's just mind-boggling how you can think that that is a god to worship. And yet they do. There's people going hungry and there's hundreds of cows walking around the streets. And I believe that it is, a lot of it, is we've been blessed because there is that underlying understanding of God. And I believe those blessings have been taken away there because they're worshiping idols and there's no blessing in that. And I, you can't say they're not nothing, that they're nothing. Yes, there is a spirit there in many of these things. But they have 
the ability to put those people in bondage to that spirit is about what they have. And then we see, and we, we were going over there, and we were flying, I can't remember, I think it was out of Hyderabad to Rajamundry, and there was a bunch of European people there. And Greg Grieve, just because he's Greg, he talks to everybody and then some that he sits next to, and he gets talking to this lady that's sitting across from him. And she's actually, she's not Danish, but her husband's Danish, and they're a group of Danish people. She's actually from Holland, I think she was. And they're flying to India to go to some meditation thing, and there's... She's so excited because it's going to be such a wonderful thing. There's going to be at least 40,000 people there who are praying together to... And it's what we call um, New Age stuff. But it's not new at all. It's what they've been practicing in those countries for years. And it's not a blessing. And to see these people who have a background that has Christian roots at the very least, and probably people, I would guess, in their families who have been Christians in the past, and they're moving towards these things that bring such darkness, spiritually and even natural poverty. And my mind just, I don't know what you do. It's overwhelming. We have to leave it with God. But I think that it's, it's something that with the freedom we've been given... That that word of God, I mean, I say this maybe too often, but Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we can tell people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and if we're living Christians, that kingdom of heaven is right there. It's at hand. It's living in the heart of his believers. It is at hand. Says, preach repentance and remission of sins. It's a simple message. And it's what we were able to, I mean, it's what God gave to share over there. That people could understand that sin stands between us and what God would desire for us. And yet we have this flesh that is so a part of us. And some of those men over there, those pastors in the partly culture that I don't understand, and I would like to change it, but I can't. It's just how it is. George and I are asked to speak here. We speak here. He farms, I farm. We carry on with life. It's how lots of church situations in this country are. And yes, there is some full-time pastors. Over there, it isn't how it be. Everyone... If a pastor works outside of just being a pastor of a church, he's very looked down on and people ostracize him, especially the, the other people who are outside of the church, but even the church people. It's frowned upon. So these guys, some of them are, their families are suffering greatly just so that they can share that word of God because it's important to them. And with lots of them, it's, it's important. It is very important. And and if this government that's there keeps on what they're doing, it will be get more difficult, I believe. And we can't change that. And I'm not trying to put 
anything on anybody. I'm just trying to share what I've seen. And I just, I picked the first song when we opened it, and then as we're singing it, I'm reading the lines in this song and thinking, do we, do we sing those things and understand what we are saying? And, and is it actually true what we're singing? It says, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. Such love constrains me to answer his call. And it says, striving to please him in all that I do. And these things, willing to suffer affliction and loss, deeming each trial part of my cross. And I read that and I think, and I sing it and think, I don't think that's me. It's not what's necessarily happening. There's so many natural things that are so interesting to me. And I don't think that we have to go on a crusade that we're going to become, I don't know what the word is, but, but I think we need to lead our, live our lives in such a way that that message of Jesus Christ shows forth as being important in our life, as most important, that people could see that, not that we'd see that we are some oddball thing for natural reasons, and I'm not picking on them, but like the Hutterites, they stand out because they dress different. And yes, I know them well enough to know that there's some that stand out because they have living faith too. But I would hope that we as people, that we would stand out because we have that living faith and because it's important to us and that it's important in our lives. And I just hope and pray and would hope that it could be the prayer of all of us. I mean, yes, those ones over there, they ask for prayers and yes, we could pray for them. Pray that God would preserve them, that he could enlighten them. Some of the things that I would say some of the things that we might think that are a problem, they're not the problem. I mean, I've had people ask me, you know, about numbers and stuff like that. And yes, it's interesting to know those things. But we have to remember there, it's recorded in the first part of John. Jesus spoke to the woman by the well, and he spoke a sermon to her, and there was one person. One. And we know it grew from there. And yet, yes, it's interesting to know, but we can leave that with God. But then also, I have to turn it and look. We have our convention services where the people from the Federation, the whole Federation, come there. And if we have 1,500 people, um, we think that there's a fairly good turnout. At the one man's place, they had a Christmas Eve service, Christmas service, maybe I should say. He lives, he tells me, just he's just a very rural pastor in a small rural village. Now we have to put that in perspective, because this small rural village is 18,000 people. It's not like less than a, but imperative terms, it's a small rural village. But they have a Christmas Eve service, and there was over 2,000 people came 
in one church, it's, it's not a numbers game that we want to play. Let us pray that the truth would go forth, that they would be given that understanding of what God really wants for mankind, the importance of that gospel message, that there is a place where God dwells and can be found here in this world. And it's not very far away. It's in the heart of his believers. And that there's forgiveness found there. And that he's a merciful God. I would hope that each and every one of us could find that important. And that it could be the, the thing that leads us daily in our walk. And would give us direction in how we go about it and give us direction in decisions that we make about what we're going to do because of what is truly important or not important. And that we could have hearts that are obedient to God. Obedient if he would even just tell us to quietly live our life that the neighbor can see or that our children could see. May God add his blessing to his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I'll, I'll close with the benediction. Let us close with the benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.